here we are, you know, more than 24 hours after that uh, defensive debacle in Lubbock yesterday where the Oklahoma Sooners lost 51 to 48 to the Texas Tech Red Raiders, dropped to six and six. We're going to talk about it all, breaking it all down, have our biggest takeaways from the game on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. We're free and available on all podcast platforms, including YouTube. So go subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. My buddy here is Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at JoshOnRef. You can also hear him Monday through Friday from 9 to noon on 94.7 The Ref in Norman. Josh, in my Locked On Now, I just basically shook my head for five seconds before I ever even started talking about this game, a game where Oklahoma got up 14, nothing pretty quickly. We're up 17, nothing then 24, six, and then all the wheels fell off. So just initially you can just kind of give me your biggest takeaway from this game before we really kind of dive into the nitty gritty of it. Oklahoma lost a game in a fashion that it hadn't lost a game in 2022, which now they've kind of lost a game just about every way you could sort of lose a game, right? So I, I guess that would be kind of the initial from the game takeaway. Probably similar to a lot of you out there. How do you lose a game where you led 17 to nothing, led 24 to 6? And oh, by the way, uh, if you don't elect to go for it on a fourth down or you, you know, execute on said fourth down, it, it could have been worse than 17 to nothing or 24 to six. So how do you lose that game? Well, obviously some, some defensive shortcomings, a big, big part of that offensive uh, stumbling around the rest of the way. They're, they're not totally off the hook either, but you can't lose games when you lead 17 to nothing and could have been worse than that. And uh, you led 24 to six and could have been worse than that. That can't be a part of the fabric, the makeup of uh, any successful football team. Can't lead by 17, 18 points. Basically, you know, not quite, but essentially to halftime, very close to halftime with a 24 to 6 lead. And again, be defined as any sort of a good football team. So, you know, for me, the the game itself, you know, larger than the game itself, John, I guess the big takeaway for me is any of the momentum or positives that we thought or hoped that we would then be able to carry into the offseason, that was too pie in the sky, wasn't it? It was It was always too pie in the sky. I wanted to believe. I actually thought Oklahoma was going to win this game uh, down in Lubbock. And 17 to nothing, 24 to 6, felt really good that Oklahoma had turned a corner defensively, that uh, what we had seen in the final month of the season sands the Baylor game. Okay, wow, this is Brent Venables. This is, uh, you know, Ted Roof. This is... Jay Valai, this is Miguel Chavis, this is this is Mr. Hall, this is everybody, Todd Bates, this is everybody defensively has gotten this football team to where it has turned a little bit of a corner, John, and uh, obviously that was a lost-in-the-desert mirage, and ultimately for Oklahoma, it turns into, again, probably the finish that 
we were always headed for with this particular OU team where you finish six and six and you thought things were going great, but no, there is no optimism uh, really to take into the offseason outside of just now recruiting and such. Yeah. And you want, I want to be optimistic about the offense because again, they put up 48 points in a loss, a game that they were controlling. They were moving the ball. Well, you alluded to the decisions to go for the fake field goal uh, when you could have gotten points and gone up 17, nothing there early. Uh, you had another opportunity where you could have kicked and you chose to go for it on fourth down where you could have added points. And I, I think that changes the game a little bit and the way that the Oklahoma Sooners finished that first half defensively in particular, but Dylan Gabriel's interception on an attempt to Drake Stoops, which was way late. Like Drake Stoops was open immediately at the top of his route. And Gabriel was so late getting the ball there that it was a really easy, easy interception. And that, that really changed the complexion of the game. Texas scored or Texas tech scores, uh, you know, 17 points in the final six minutes of the game and had all the, all the momentum going into the second half. And then Oklahoma comes out after halftime and is moving the ball well there. I mean, Eric Gray has them in Texas Tech territory on three runs, and he has to come out because obviously, he, you know, is carrying the team on his shoulders on that first drive. And then the, the, the drive just stalls out, and Oklahoma elects to go for it on fourth down. Um, I think it was fourth and four, fourth and five, something like that. And Dylan Gabriel sacked for a loss of six. Uh, and so, like, I get wanting to be an aggressor. I get wanting to go for the jugular. You know, you're up 14, nothing, have a chance to go up 21, nothing early in this game on that fake field goal attempt. This is a team that's not been executing well on money downs. And I talked about it a little bit on the live stream. When you're not good on third and fourth down regularly or consistently, sometimes you just got to take points. Sometimes just taking three is okay. Sometimes just punting the ball is okay. Like help your defense out a little bit sometimes by letting your all pro punter, sorry, all, all pro, all American punter, one day all pro, all American punter, play field position. And you know, in, in the first half, your defense was playing really good football until those final six minutes when Dylan Gabriel provides them really good field position, and then the the final drive where they go super super conservative in their defensive game plan and play prevent defense, which basically prevents you from stopping anybody. And Texas Tech is able to take advantage. And then from then on, it was just all Texas Tech. I mean, the Red Raiders outscored Oklahoma 51 to 34 over the final after the first quarter. Like three quarters plus the one possession in overtime, 51 to 34. Uh, you know, I, I talked a little bit about the offense, but it really comes down to the defense. Like the defense was not good enough. Tyler Shuck is not that good of a quarterback. He's a, he's a solid quarterback. He's an above average, maybe even a good quarterback, but he's not that good. Like he shredded Oklahoma. Like this is a team, the Texas Tech team that was allowing three sacks per game. Oklahoma got to him one time. They had few pressures on him. You know, it, it was not the same performance we saw a week ago against Spencer Sanders and Oklahoma State. And, and that's really what it comes down to. It's like you get a great sign of positivity from this defense and then they just crash right back down to earth. And, and I think that's the, my biggest takeaways going into this next season. Again, something I talked about a little bit on the live stream last night was I don't know where the optimism, where, where I have a lot of optimism for the defense going into next year, unless you can tell me that guys like that have flashed like Robert Spears, Jennings, Jaron Canick, uh, R. Mason Thomas are going to be big time contributors and play a lot of snaps for this team because 
Otherwise, I don't, I don't, I just don't see a lot of guys on this team, on this defense that have the fight, you know, that you have that quote unquote, have that dog in them. You know, it's, it's kind of an overused phrase, but just have that fight, you know, have that mentality. Like I'm going to go make, I'm going to be the playmaker. I'm going to make the play that stops this team. And I'm not going to let anybody, you know, get another yard. Like I'm I'm just not going to do that. So they don't have like a Nick Bonito on this team. You know what I mean? They don't have a guy like this, just going to, this just nasty and going to take over a football game. So that's kind of where I, where I stand on the defense. We'll have more to talk about on this, on the show. I'll, I'll give Josh a chance to respond before we go to break, but first let's go to break. Let me talk to you about uh, upside with inflation hitting everybody at the pumps and the, in the grocery store dining out. Now's a chance to get back some of what you're having to spend by up, going to upside. It's a great way to earn cash back um, on purchases at 50,000 or more stores or, you know, convenience stores, gas stations, restaurants across the country. You can do that with upside. It's a great place. Like you can earn more cash back than you would with your credit card or your debit card company. They provide the best. That's why they have a 4.8 star rating on the app store. Again, it's a great way to do that. If you haven't done it, you might need to go check out upside right now and start saving some money or getting some money back on what you're spending. Just go to the upside app wherever you use your apps whether it's apple store google play and check out upside use our promo code locked l-o-c-k-e-d and get five dollars or more cash back on your first purchase of ten dollars or more using our promo code locked again to get five dollars or more cash back on your first purchase of five ten dollars or more and then i want to talk to you about linkedin the end of the year is coming and hey maybe you're trying to find that one hire that's going to really put you over the top for the 2023 year. Well, LinkedIn jobs provides you the best opportunity to find the most qualified candidates available with their LinkedIn service. It's the right people for your team faster and for free. Again, you can be 100% certain that you have access to the most qualified candidates available by using LinkedIn. All you got to do is just go there, create a profile, create a free job post on LinkedIn jobs, add your job in the purple hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. Again, it's the best way for you to finish out the 2022 year and set yourself up for a strong 2023. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality candidates Quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college. Terms and conditions apply. And thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. Go make it the Locked On Sports Today podcast your second listen of the day. Peter Bukowski provides you all the, the best insight and analysis on the top stories from the previous night's games, the previous night's action. A lot of things happening in the college football world right now with the coaching carousel, the transfer portals heating up, recruiting's heating up with uh, early signing day, and then all the major sports are going except for baseball right now. But it's almost hot stove season in baseball, so go check out Locked On Sports today with Peter Bukowski, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Josh, so I, I kind of laid out a lot there on the defensive side. I haven't looked quite yet at the pro football focus missed tackles number, but their pressure rate was not good. I mean, th- this was a team that last week they had Spencer Sanders under pressure on 40% of his dropbacks against Tyler Shuck. It was just 32. Now that was kind of his season average going into the game. But again, I mentioned that Texas tech 
had been allowing three sacks per game. Oklahoma, after getting Spencer Sanders for six sacks, was only able to get to Tyler Shuck uh, once. Uh, but they missed a ton of tackles yet again, and it's one of the things that's really um, starting to to stand out way too much about this team. They missed 14 tackles. I thought it would be a lot more than that. Uh, Billy Moman led the team with missed tackles with five, who I thought probably had his worst game as an Oklahoma Sooner. Uh, Keyshawn Lawrence and sorry, yeah, Key Lawrence and Deshaun White. I made them one person on that uh, comment. Uh, each had two missed tackles in the game, so. I thought there would probably be a lot more missed tackles. If I was going back and tracking it, I'd probably put it closer to 20, but that's what pro football focus has it at. So just give me some more thoughts on just the defensive performance in this game. Well, I think you hit on the big one and I think it's been the biggest problem for Oklahoma all season long, for whatever reason, the game wreckers that were there up front for Oklahoma, leaving Lincoln, Nebraska, and it could be as simple as, the competition on your schedule got a heck of a lot better from the moment that you left Lincoln, Nebraska. But I, I still, for whatever reason, feel like to some degree, Oklahoma left Lincoln, Nebraska as a pretty good football team, a, a team that could, and I know they weren't light years away, John, from being a, a nine win team, right? I mean, obviously the Texas tech game, we're talking about a game that Oklahoma had every opportunity on the road to win Baylor game at home, every opportunity to win that game, Kansas state game, every opportunity to win that game, West Virginia, every opportunity to win that game. So look, there's four games right there that if this season played out similarly to how 2021 in some ways played out for Oklahoma in the one score close games, then uh, you're talking about 10 and two or nine and three instead of the six and six situation that Oklahoma finds itself in that being said one of the reasons it finds itself in the six and six situation john is because they just consistently could never mount a pass rush on a regular basis we saw oklahoma pretty doggone good defensive team right not rocket science not rocket surgery as we like to say uh on the radio side it is not rocket surgery when you get six sacks and 13 tfls what does that create it creates four spencer sanders interceptions versus Oklahoma State in Bedlam. When you get one sack and just the five TFLs, which uh, that number, John, based on where this team was at coming out of the non-conference portion of its schedule, that's what Oklahoma, that's half of what Oklahoma was averaging in the TFL department through the non-conference portion of its schedule. Again, I, I get the uh, competition argument, totally understand that, but the bottom line is this team was not good up front defensively. They were consistently not good up front. So if you're asking me, how do you get this thing fixed defensively? That's it right there. They need a, I look at a Benito man and momentum creator, right? As much uh, maligned as Perry on Winfrey was at times at Oklahoma, he could be a momentum creator. I don't know. I thought, and maybe it's the injury bug. I thought Jalen Redmond was going to be that guy for this team. John, he was not that guy for this team. Uh, I thought Ethan Downs had the possibility to develop into that guy for this team. Marcus Tripling, same thing there. They just didn't have that guy. Yeah, there was a, there was a lot of. I mean, I, I hyped up the edge group. I thought they were going to be really good based out on what we saw out of coming out of the Oregon game, out of the spring game. I thought they were going to be really good, but they just never materialized. I mean, your your sack leader had four and a half sacks this season. That's not good enough. It's just not. Now if you had like five, six guys with four and a half sacks, at least, then maybe you could 
build something out of that, but you got to have one guy that the defense or that the offense has to account for. And they just don't have it uh, along the defensive front. And, and really, I mean, you could say they don't really have it anywhere on the defense. Like there's nobody on the defense that, that whether it's a, a safety, you know, like you, you think back to when Oklahoma played Baylor last year, like who are we talking about the most? Yeah. We were talking about Siaka Ika, but it was Jalen Petrie. Like he was the guy that was on everybody's radar. The safety was on everybody's radar as the guy that, okay, you got to watch out for where he's going to be because he's going to be all over the field making plays for you. Oklahoma doesn't have that guy that they can put all over the field and, and create opportunities to make plays or have a guy that just makes the plays. Like, I mean, I know Deshaun Weiss, the cheetah, but is he somebody that opposing offenses really fear? I don't think so. Uh, Danny Stutzman, I think is, is trending in the right direction, but is he at the point where, you know, offensive you know coordinators are like, Hey, we got to make sure we get 28 blocked up on this play. Otherwise it's going to get wrecked. Not yet. I mean, he's not there yet. And then along the defensive front, there's just nobody that strikes fear into the opposing offense and they're not having to scheme for, they're not having to provide extra protection for, you know, any of those guys. And, th- and that's not to say that, you know, Ethan Downs can't develop into that or maybe an R Mason Thomas can't develop into that, but right now they're not that guy. Um, it's, it's uh, one of those ones you got to have that guy. Like you, I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. So that's where I go to a lot for a lot of my references, but you look at a guy like Danny Stutzman or not Danny Stutzman, Micah Parsons. I just saw Danny Stutzman play 97 snaps and that hit my brain. So you look at a guy like Micah Parsons and it just changes the entire complexion of your defense. If they can find a guy at the collegiate level of a similar ilk, Nick Bonito to me was that guy. Like he was a guy that, you know, opposing defensive core or offenses had to account for Ronnie Perkins was kind of that guy as well. You go way back, Gerald McCoy, Tommy Harris, like they need to find somebody along the defensive front that the offensive line has to account for. They have to scheme for to make sure that they don't just wreck plays every single time out. So they, they've got some work to do and hopefully they can hit that home run on the recruiting trail, but for, and maybe even the transfer portal, but for, you know, what they did in the transfer portal this past off season, it doesn't really give me a ton of hope that they're going to be able to necessarily bring in that game record. I mean, because that game record is honestly probably not going to leave a spot. Like, you just don't get those guys in the transfer portal all that often. So there'll be solid depth pieces, but probably not very many people that are going to be like, yeah, that dude's a a stud, bona fide, top 100 pick in the NFL draft type of a player. You got to recruit that player. You got to hope to land that player on signing day. And hopefully they can. They got a good chance to, but we'll see how that that plays out. Well, and hopefully they've got that player on campus and – it can be an Ethan Downs or insert name up front for Oklahoma here, right? I'm just using his name because we saw him get the most snaps as one of the younger players up front for Oklahoma this season. But hopefully that guy's already there. And one more year with this coaching staff, I'm not ready to sell all of my shares in Vin- Brent Venables, Inc. I'm not ready to, to sell off all of those, right? I still think these guys really know how to coach football really know how to coach defense the game management stuff okay that's probably something we need to have a longer discussion about because that was once again not good across the board for the staff but hopefully that game record guy that we're talking about again hopefully he is on campus right and that you can develop and then you sign a couple more of those guys because they just simply even some of these defenses john that necessarily great for oklahoma right they had that guy. Uh, you, you, know, you think about Obo or Quanquo. You think about Eric Stryker in the Stryker defense. One of those, I think, was actually the top defense uh, 
scoring and maybe total defense in the Big 12. Not that it was, you know, top 15 or whatever nationally, but I do think it was one of those years the best uh, in the Big 12. So, you know, you've had those kinds of guys, Ronnie Perkins, uh, Benito, on and on and on. This OU team didn't have that one individual guy, and that uh, proved costly. The other thing, John, I think that this team wasn't particularly good at, and they weren't good at it again at Texas Tech. They just the, – the momentum of the game, they weren't, they weren't a group that when things started going south were good at flipping that, right, and having multiple possessions back the other way in Oklahoma's own momentum. And there were moments in this game for that to be accomplished. If we're talking defense, I think about the C.J. Colden interception. That was a massive play in the football game. It's there. It's on the silver platter. He's won you the football game. You got to go score there. Oklahoma couldn't do that. Yeah, after after the uh, the CJ Cold interception, they go four plays, eight yards, and they have to kick a field goal. Uh, just disappointing. I mean, they it, it's and, and we can talk about the offense maybe if you want to coming up next and, and kind of dive in a little bit more to that because I think there there is reason to have some questions about what the offense did. But yeah, just on the surface, like from a you know fifty thousand foot view this team isn't able to take advantage of those momentum swings or hold on to it. Like when things start going South, they keep going South. They're not, like you said, they're not able to flip it, but we'll continue to break down this game. We'll talk a little bit about the offense. I don't want to dive too deep in it or go in too hard on them because again, they put up 48 points, put up a ton of yards and should have won this game. Uh, if the defense could have made a few more stops, but I mean, they left a little bit to be desired, left some points on the board themselves. So we'll talk about that here after Josh talks to us about Nissan. This will be after the break. Well, and I also want to get your thoughts. I think it's time to have a conversation as well about to ice or not to ice, which that would have been the thrilling moment of the week for Texas Tech fans, right? Was uh, you, you ice a kicker, and obviously it doesn't work for Oklahoma. I guess the thrilling moment for Oklahoma was it was looking great. 17 to nothing, 24 to six thrilling moment, by the way, uh, in every sooner football game, it's brought to us by Nissan, the thrilling designs behind the new lineup from Nissan intended to empower drivers and vehicles as capable as the driver themselves. And when I think of unbelievable abilities on the football field, it's got to be Marvin Mims, right? Big catch had us all excited, feeling good about things. Uh, that was probably your most high water thrilling moment of this past week, obviously uh, it, it did not work out. And uh, there's a more extended conversation to have about that. But uh, again, this uh, segment, it's been inspired by the thrilling new designs featured across Nissan's new lineup of vehicles. Pursue what thrills you in the all new frontier Armada or Pathfinder today available now at NissanUSA.com. I saw so many people that either, you know, on the social media sphere away from me, or, you know, I, I tossed a, a tweet out there, and the crux of it, John, was, eh, been that kind of year for Oklahoma, right? Brent Venables chooses to ice the kicker, which, oh, by the way, every, just about every other head coach in college football, in professional football, in peewee football, every other coach, right, that's coaching competitively to win a game based on the unwritten book of football now would have called the timeout to ice the kicker. Okay, Brent does that. And I've seen some people say, oh, but he should have done it two and a half seconds sooner. You're not supposed to let him get the practice kick away. Okay, 
every level of football, more times than not, 95 times out of 100, they get the practice kick away, okay? So Brent Venables does it, quote-unquote, by the book. And what happens? OU blocks the kick. They, they block the kick, John. And then, lo and behold, of course, Texas Tech hits the next kick. So what was, what was your thought about that whole sequence? For me, I, I don't think we can blame Brent Venables for that, though I will entertain this portion of the discussion. Is it time to just do away with icing altogether? Is it effective? I don't know if it's effective. I haven't seen it be effective in recent years, maybe early on when you know coaches started doing it. It might have gotten in kickers' heads. But now anymore, I think kickers almost expect it. Like, hey, oh, they're going to ice me, and then I'm going to have to hit this twice. I don't blame him for trying. Like, you, that's all. That's really your only gambit at that point. Like, you have no other option. It's just unlucky. Like, it's a microcosm of what this team is in 2022 that, that you would get the kick blocked and then have a timeout called it. I mean, Jason Garrett did did the same thing several years ago for the Dallas Cowboys. It's just unlucky. Like, how often do we see blocked field goals? We don't see them very often. I mean, and and there's also a theory out there that oh, maybe the the Texas Tech offensive line knew he was gonna uh, ice the kick, so they didn't even bother blocking and whatever. Who knows? It's process over over um, what is it? Process over outcome. Pro- Outcome. Yeah. It's like process over outcome. Like the process says kick or, or ice the kicker. The outcome wasn't great. Like it is what it is. Like, I don't, I don't blame him for that. You don't really have many options. You're hoping that you get shankopotamus and the kicker misses it. Like our kicker quote unquote, maybe did. Uh, we didn't even get a chance to talk about that. We're gonna have to talk about that on tomorrow's show. Um, but, it, or maybe we can delve into it right now. So I'm good with trying to ice unlucky microcosm of Oklahoma season, which like, um Zach Schmidt's field goal, which looks pretty good live, looks like he makes it. My wife and I are watching the game on the couch, like, oh, he made it. Cool, no problem. I'm going back to like typing on Twitter or write, you know, writing articles or whatever. And then I overhear the broadcast crew, like, oh, he missed it. And I'm like, what? No way he missed it. Like, and and you're watching, you're like, I don't see how he misses that. And I don't think they did a great job of showing the replay, first of all, but and then Brent Venables comes back in the press conference and says, it's not a reviewable play according to the officiating crew, which how, how is that not a reviewable play? Every scoring play in college football and the NFL is reviewable. And yet we're not going to review kicks. I, I don't get that. I do not get that in the 21st century, the year 2022, where we review everything. We reviewed whether Theo Weiss caught it on the sideline when it was an obvious catch. We spent, what, two minutes reviewing that play. We review everything. But we're not going to review a field goal that is going to, you know, potentially give them a lead in overtime? Like, I don't, I don't, know, how you, I don't know how you do that. And the Big 12 is going to have to change that rule. And I hate, I hate talking about officiating. It, I... <laughs> Ah, don't get me started because I feel like the pass interference on uh, Jaleel Farouk that they picked up in the first half, they the the referee looked like he watched the replay on the monitor on the big screen, and then it's like, nah, there's no foul for pass interference. I'm like, you can't you can't watch the replay and then make that decision. That anyway, don't ah, don't get me started. So I don't understand either. I I don't understand why you can't review the field goal there. That's obviously something that has to get fixed. And this is big 
Power Five football, okay? There's uh, a lot of money that a lot of different people have invested in this. And I'm not saying like from the, you know, bet online standpoint or whatever. I'm saying we can't get a couple of cameras on the top of the upright. Are you kidding me with how much money is involved in all of these universities and the television side? What are we doing? We don't have an angle that gives us any sort of a better definitive idea of whether or not that, first of all, we can't review it to begin with. And second of all, we don't have a better angle. What are we doing here? I mean, come on. How many millions upon millions of dollars are we making to not be able to get this right? When, oh, by the way, again, there's a lot on the line for a lot of people. I get that, hey, it's seven and five Texas Tech now, and it's six and six Oklahoma. Man, you know, we, the rest of this week, we'll talk about this. I, I said going into this thing, John, it wasn't going to dramatically change 2023 right beating texas tech it wasn't going to dramatically change how we felt about 2022 but the orbit around oklahoma it was going to be a little bit calmer waters if you beat texas tech and if you go win a bowl game now all of that is out do i think oklahoma was even getting a stop uh even if the field goal was good no if you're asking me that i think texas tech was finding its way into the end zone but i would like to exist in a world where you can get that call right if in fact like it looked like the call was wrong. Yeah, I mean, coaches lose their jobs for six and six seasons. Now, this is Brent Venable's first season, so he's not going to. But imagine this was maybe his – maybe he was David Shaw. Like, this was David Shaw's last game and at Stanford, and he loses on a field goal after the referee crew botched what was a go-ahead field goal. And now he didn't lose his job. He resigned. But I bet, you know, like any coach would tell you, like, that'd be a crap way to go out. Like losses matter. Like they matter to to careers. They, I, again, this is Brent Venable's first year, but we're at his fifth year. And, and then they're going six and six. I mean, that play could could really change his change his future. Like it could change the outlook of the program, all that. Well, but and and I think a, a, in that vein, John. It's almost better for us to say, forget about Brent Venables. It changes Miguel Chavis's future, mm-hmm. right? It changes, insert whichever position coach you want here. It changes their career trajectory. So, no, we, I mean, we need to be able to get these right. Yeah, there's no reason why with technology the way it is now. You mentioned the money. FS1 skimping for just one end zone angle. Like, that's pretty crap. Like, they just had the one shot from behind Zach Schmidt. They didn't have the opposite angle where every, where you almost always get the kick, right? Like you're always seeing field goals from the other side, from the defense's per- perspective more often than not. And so, yeah, it, it was just, just bad all the way around. Again, Oklahoma's defense needed to play better. That was the reason Oklahoma lost the, the phantom missed kick, you know, missed field goal kick, you know, that, that had an impact. But your defense has got to be able to find a way to, to make stops and help your offense out that scored 48 points. And we can talk a little bit about the offense on our live show tomorrow night. I think we will. Uh, again, we're going live tomorrow night at 9 p.m. Central Time here on the Locked On Sooners YouTube channel. So make sure you stop by, stop by for that. Uh, it's a good time. Like we're, we're, It's growing. We're getting more and more people involved in the chat. We'd like to respond to your comments answer your questions it's always a fun time so make sure you're part of that we're going to continue to do it on monday nights um throughout the the off season even because it's just a lot of fun and 
We'll enjoy interacting with you along the way on that one. But still so much to break down about this team, break down about the season, you know, talk about the future of Oklahoma. I, I know Josh is a, you know, maybe not quite as optimistic as myself, uh, but still kind of on the glass half empty or sorry, glass half full side of the future with Brent, Brent Venables. Uh, but yeah, I, I think we both agree that things are going to have to get a lot better in 2023 for us to feel better about this team moving forward and especially moving into the sec because the, the, the thoughts of Oklahoma is going to be the new Nebraska after six and six season. It's hard to argue against those right now. So Oklahoma is going to have to prove that that's not the case next year, but that's going to do it for today's episode of locked on Sooners. Thank you so much for tuning in and subscribing to the show, wherever you get your podcasts. Again, follow Josh on Twitter at Josh on ref. You can follow me on Twitter at John nine Williams, follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Locked On Sooners. You can also follow us on Facebook, Locked On Sooners Podcast. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Again, we're free and available on all platforms. Again, tune in tomorrow night at 9 p.m. on YouTube for the live show. We'll have a lot of fun doing that. Again, 9 p.m. Central Time on the Locked On Sooners YouTube channel. But for Josh, I'm John. We'll catch you then. Boomer Sooner. <laughs>